This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, George Tolman talks about St. Joseph. Why is St. Joseph a model saint for our times? Was he really planning on divorcing Mary? Why is he the terror of demons? Well, let's find out. Here's George Tolman. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. My name is George Tolman, and as always, it is my pleasure to be on the air again with you today to talk about our holy Catholic faith. Today, we will be talking about someone very special to me, someone that has been a very integral part of my spiritual life and has helped me help really form me into the person I am today. And that person that we will be talking about is none other than St. Joseph, the guardian of the Holy Family, spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. St. Joseph is my confirmation saint, and I have learned to turn to him on many occasions for guidance and support, sometimes more so than others and more innocent than other times. But today what I hope to do is share some of my spiritual journey with you about his influence on my life and as well, hopefully, discuss the importance of having a devotion to St. Joseph. And we'll break our reflections on St. Joseph into three parts. The first part that we'll talk about deals specifically with the teaching of St. Joseph by reading some scripture and reflecting on our catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm not going to give a full exhaustive theological or, or historical or, or educational lecture on St. Joseph. That That is not the intent for today. But what I am hoping to do is provide just enough uh, of a snapshot to be able to help ground our conversation today, especially when we get into part two, which deals with the litany of St. Joseph, one of the beautiful prayers of the church. I usually recite this prayer at the end of Mass, particularly after receiving communion, is one of the prayers that, that I have found a lot of strength in, and one that I want to elaborate on today. And then lastly, we'll discuss how devotion to St. Joseph is needed in our times, and in the spirit of the current movement in the Church, at least the Church here in America in particular, in trying to bring devotion to St. Joseph back to the forefront, I wanted to contribute to that in my own words about how I feel about bringing St. Joseph back into the conversational sphere of the Catholic Church, and most importantly, how that devotion uh, can manifest itself so that it can we can invoke the Holy Spirit with greater intensity and utilize Church Triumphant in a way that God so desires. Lately, um, if you've been listening to the One Body Show the last couple weeks, I've been um, obviously, with the coronavirus and some other things that are going on, I've been able to find a little bit of time to reflect on some more broadcast. And today is no different in that I would like to begin our conversation with a prayer. And the prayer that I have chosen for today for us to recite is the Regina Celi, which is a Marian prayer said during the Easter season and usually particularly uh, is prayed in place of the Angelus or um, in other prayers within the church, uh, prayed alongside certain devotions. And this prayer is explicitly talking about the Queen of Heaven rejoicing 
at the fact that her son, the King of the universe, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, has risen. And by reciting this prayer, we humbly ask our Blessed Lady, Most Immaculate, to show us and shower us with her love and support during these difficult times. And so if you would join with me, folks, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Queen of Heaven, rejoice, Alleluia, for he whom you did merit to bear, Alleluia, has risen as he said, Alleluia. Pray for us to God, Alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, Alleluia, for the Lord has truly risen, Alleluia. And let us pray, O God, who gave joy to the world through the resurrection of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grant, we beseech thee, that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, his mother, we may obtain the joys of everlasting life. For the same Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Before we delve into our discussion today, I want to first recommend a book that has been published recently that is specifically towards devotion to St. Joseph. It is titled Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father Donald Calloway. For those of you familiar with uh, Father Calloway, he has a wonderful conversion story, one that is surrounded in the the graces of of God through our, our Blessed Lady, and he is a priest that has has that is well known, uh, well spoken, and has taken on this very daunting task uh, through prayer, sacrifice, and, and through the recommendation of others to illumine the truths of Saint Joseph to help bring some information to the faithful and organize work to the faithful uh, to help grow in the devotion to Saint Joseph, especially in these times. And in my opinion. He is, this book is a great introduction to to not only St. Joseph, but also a a theology of St. Joseph. And when I say a theology of St. Joseph, I I am primarily referring to how God has worked in St. Joseph um, to help bring about the salvation of the world. It's a very powerful and indeed very noble uh, thing that he did, yet many people in the world uh, do not know of St. Joseph very well. We might recognize him in a picture of the Holy Family, but nonetheless, we may not recognize him for the, to be absolutely frank with you, the man that he was. And he was definitely a great man and currently serves a very important uh, part of church triumphant in heaven. Uh, Father Calloway does a very impressive job collecting multiple sources of information and, and, and giving the Catholic Church another witness to this often forgotten father of the Holy Family. And at times like today where the church is under attack, and I use that term very intentionally, revisiting the ancient tradition of invoking St. Joseph for help is, is, I believe, a very wise practice. And in fact, there are saints throughout the ages who have, who have witnessed to the fact that devotion to St. Joseph is, is not only very powerful and efficacious, but maybe even more importantly, for some, it is the pathway in which our Lord desires us to know him with better clarity. And one of the things that I'm very big on is that when we talk about St. Joseph, and especially those of us who, who really do admire and love the man and what he was able to do, 
I think this book is, is just spot on in terms of giving that grand introduction uh, to a very, very important figure in, in salvation history. And so I highly recommend the book. And in particular, I do ask that you use your local Catholic bookstore to purchase it if interested. And again, uh, the title of the book uh, is called uh, The Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father by Father, Father Donald uh, Calloway. I want to begin the bulk of our conversation for the next 40 or so minutes on reflecting with a few words of Holy Scripture. And one of the key features of St. Joseph that I think many of us know, but maybe sometimes underappreciate, is that St. Joseph is seen and not heard when we read the Scriptures. In fact, we don't hear a peep out of him. Our Blessed Lady has a full section in her Magnificat where she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. That whole, that whole dynamic, you know, she, she has a full section. And, and we also hear her, her words to the angel, may it, done on, be, may it be done unto me according to thy word. We, we see these inter- interactions, but St. Joseph, there, there's literally no words to him. But this is very intentional. He is present in the former, formative years of Jesus and is especially visible during the beginning stages of Jesus' conception and infancy. And to put it plainly, folks, the Holy Spirit introduces us to St. Joseph as a man truly present when both his loving wife and the Savior were the most vulnerable. Think about it. The Holy Spirit introduces us to St. Joseph as a man truly present when both his loving wife and our Savior were the most vulnerable. And this is why, in large part, we turn to St. Joseph when the church is vulnerable. Whether it be by an attack from an outside enemy or even more challenging, enemies from within the church. The life of St. Joseph gives us a first-hand account to his current spiritual presence and the reality that when the church is most vulnerable, he desires to be present with her, just like he was at his wife's conception and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to ponder on that just a little bit more before we get to the actual scripture passage. He was there when Mary, soon after I should say, maybe not at, not at the conception, excuse me, but soon after, finding out that Mary conceived of the Holy Spirit, St. Joseph was there. He didn't ditch her. We will have some conversation about looking at the gospel passage of Matthew with a little more accuracy than maybe once described by, by, by many catechists. But, but at the end of the day, when you think about it, when the church is most vulnerable, when Mary was most vulnerable, when Jesus himself was most vulnerable, guess who was there? St. Joseph. And remembering that in our times today is a very, very comforting thought, because for many of you who are listening to Catholic Radio, you are no uh, newcomer to, to the station, although I'm sure there are some who are listening maybe as, as a new Catholic or someone interested in the faith. For those of you who have been around the street a couple times and, and, and been around multiple years of, of, of living your life as a Catholic, you know that times of today are still very challenging to be Catholic. And in fact, we have certain situations where things within the church are causing a little bit a little bit of chaos. But with all of that said, 
The example that St. Joseph gives, primarily illustrated through the scriptures, tells us that as the church is vulnerable and as she is most vulnerable, St. Joseph desires to be there right by her side. And because of that comfort level, we can commit ourselves more to St. Joseph in this time because, quite frankly, we could use it. At least in my opinion, we could use it. We could use all the help we can get. And so Matthew's gospel captures St. Joseph's holiness and character. So Matthew doesn't testify on the words Jesus said, as already mentioned earlier, but he recorded his actions. His omissions of words attributed to St. Joseph during the early stages of Mary's pregnancy is of intentional design. St. Matthew desires us to experience Joseph's care and love by reflecting on his actions and not his words. Similar to any young boy wanting to learn from his dad, the actions of a father speak louder than words. And that's what St. Matthew was trying to capture. And how Holy Mother Church has always understood this unique dynamic of the gospel writers and their omission of St. Joseph's official testimony. And that his, his words that, that he gave were not written down, but the actions that he, that he did are now planted in history. In Matthew's Gospel, right off the get-go, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, we learn of maybe one of the most important stories of salvation history, that soon after Mary was by the Holy Spirit, and that conception was to lead nine months later to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, St. Joseph found himself in a very interesting situation. And here's how the gospel tells it to us, and we hear this gospel every single year um, around Christmas time and at other points when reflecting on the beauties, uh, the beautiful relationship of St. Joseph and Mary. The scripture says the following, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until he had born a, or until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. To help us understand the tender love of St. Joseph, let's first examine the opening lines of this passage together. We are told that Mary conceived by the Spirit, and upon Joseph, her then spouse realizing this, he decides to quietly send her away. Now, the translation of Scripture that, that I am using as part of this radio talk, and the one that I'm most familiar with, and, and the one that I recommend is the, the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. And there's actually now a second Catholic edition out there, but nonetheless, the RSVCE. And it's very uh, noteworthy that the translation of the RSV Catholic edition does not use the word divorce. 
does not use the does not use the word divorce, but uses the specific words "send her away quietly." And, and there's a specific reason for that, and we won't get into the full exegesis of why. But I I would like to to comment that that the wording used for what many would consider divorce, the wording could be interpreted in different ways. And we're going to talk about how uh, relying on the word divorce to help explain the scene may not be as, um, as fruitful as, as once advertised. But nonetheless, let's first examine these opening lines. So Father Calloway reminds us of a, an important teaching regarding this passage. It's right from, right from the book. But if you were trained like me during CCD class as a youth, this scene was taught as a snapshot of Joseph's respect for Mary. But to be frank with you, it was still fairly confusing. If divorce was an unjust action, and this is why now leading into the importance of, of why the wording of send, giving, sending her away might be a little more appropriate than divorce, but this whole concept of, of divorce definitely being an unjust action, especially in terms of the Old Testament law, and Joseph still thinking about doing it, then did Joseph desire to do an unjust action to Mary, even if it was respectable and, and admirable to not get her stoned to death? And that's where the confusion lied into, was that, again, divorce, even though may have been allowed in specific circumstances, still at the end of the day was a no-go. No at the end of the day, most situations, a no-go. And so because of that, if we were to think of St. Joseph as this just man, but yet he, according to this passage, read in a certain way, was seriously pondering about doing an unjust action, then what does that leave? That's kind of hypocr you know, hypocrisy if you, if you think about it. And so for me, it was a little bit confusing, even if it was respectable and admirable to not get Mary stoned by sending her off quietly or divorcing her quietly, as what some scriptures um, use in terms of their wording. But for many years, I simply took this passage to believe that Joseph simply did not want to see Mary die, and that since he did quote-unquote love her, that he would bar her a more formal punishment by quietly divorcing her to quote-unquote save face. That's how I interpret it. However, even under that logic, I consented, unfortunately, to the idea that Joseph was willing to divorce Mary. And it was only until the angel's intervention that he changed his mind. And though seemingly innocent, because I think that's an that's a interpretation that, that many, of us, many of us have, or at least been taught to have, it's a very unfortunate concession that a very just man could realistically ponder a very unjust act. And thanks to Father Calloway, I realize that this understanding is simply not tenable. Again, coming from the book, Father Calloway in his, in his research and prayerful reflection on the matter reminds us that this commonly referred to anal analysis is not the one that we should ponder. A more accurate viewpoint and the one that is probably closest to the virtue in which St. Joseph embodied is one of reverence. And in the book, and if you have the book with you, it's page 143. And for those of you going to get the book, you can just turn to 143. He talks about the three different theories, at least in his research, that were well-respected within the church, and the one of the reverence theories is the one I want to bring out right now. And, and Father Calloway writes, St. Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant, but he does not doubt her purity and innocence. 
Instead, he doubts his worthiness and ability to take care of Mary and the child. A just man, he knows that Mary belongs to God, and he considers himself unworthy of living with Mary. He decides to separate himself from her quietly out of just to God and reverence for Mary. He is willing to leave the picture so as not to reveal her mystery. Some fathers of the church, as well as many medieval saints, theologians, and mystics, promote this theory. Now, this viewpoint is very important, is a very important one for us to ponder, and a lesson that we can learn. This viewpoint, where St. Joseph first recognizes the dignity of Mary before making judgment on her, is also congruent with our need to recognize the dignity in all things before we cast judgment on it, and, preferably, we shouldn't cast judgment at all. St. Joseph loved the Blessed Virgin because God authored it so. He loved the Lord, and in turn he gave Mary to him. And since the beginning of time, God saw this relationship as the fundamental union that would nurture the Christ child. Even when we think of criticizing our beloved church, it is most important for us to recall her dignity first before making a claim on her behavior. So in conclusion to this point, we must remember that St. Joseph did not desire to sin or strike at the dignity of Mary by desiring to leave her. Rather, he pondered the miracle in front of him, realized that he didn't have an answer, and did what we know best, or what he knew best, trust God, and let him clarify the confusion. In turn, that trust led the angel immediately to his aid, and the rest is history. As a reminder, soon after this, we get this, this whole piece was, was shown to St. Joseph in a dream, and then soon after we also learn that St. Joseph receives a message again from an angel saying to get out of Bethlehem because something bad could happen, and to fulfill the scriptures, go to Egypt, come back. And that's what happened. And so St. Joseph embodies this action of love by listening to the message, that's what an angel is, the messenger of the Lord, and by listening, acting on it very promptly, very proactively. And one of the reasons why I like this, this, this reverence theory a little more than the theory I once prescribed to is because it now fits the dots a lot better as to why St. Joseph pondered what he did. It's not the fact that he wanted to commit an unjust act. He desired to love the Blessed Virgin Mary in the most respectable way possible considering the circumstances. And at no point, at no point did he question her fidelity. At no point would he have questioned her reverence or her absolute stunning beauty. What he did question was his own ability to lead the mystery, his own ability to lead what was in front of him. And as soon as he had that into his head, pondering, pondering what that could have meant, our angel came to him in faith and said, simply put, you are here to nurture the Christ child and be the husband of this beautiful woman in front of you. And as a man, even saying those words, that's a pretty bold thing uh, to, to get revealed to you. And also at the same time, incredibly, incredibly beautiful because, and, and I, I, am a, I am a firm believer in this, though men throughout the ages, especially of today, may be formed um, improperly, in their heart, in their true, in their true identity in Christ, as sons in Christ, they desire to love women and love them truly as Christ loved the church. So before we go to break, I want to quickly also refer to an article in the Catechism from paragraph 533.
talking about St. Joseph's influence, and here's what it reads. The hidden life at Nazareth allows everyone to enter into fellowship with Jesus by the most ordinary events of daily life. The home of Nazareth is the school where we begin to understand the life of Jesus, the school of the gospel. First, then, lessons of silence. May esteem for silence, that admirable and indispensable condition of mind, revive in us. A lesson on family life. May Nazareth teach us what family life is, its communion of love, its austere and simple beauty, and its sacred and inviolable character. A lesson of work. Nazareth, home of the carpenter's son, and you I would choose to understand and proclaim the severe and redeeming law of human work. To conclude, I want to greet all the workers of the world, holding them up to their great pattern, their brother, who is God. That's directly from the Catechism, directly from a message to the faithful. And I want to, and I want to emphasize by reciting this that St. Joseph was head of the Holy Family. He was the leader of the Holy Family. Think about that. The spiritual leader of a sinless woman was St. Joseph. The spiritual leader of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity was St. Joseph. How great of a responsibility did God give to Joseph? But this cannot be overemphasized. And unfortunately, it's usually underappreciated. During Jesus' formative years, St. Joseph was the one who taught him all that he knew. He cared for him, taught him apprenticeship skills, and served him so that he would become a man. And though I'm certain that St. Joseph continually pondered his unworthiness as what humility does, that virtue, the obedience Jesus and Mary gave to him as spiritual leader reinforced his vocational call and his special place in salvation history. And I also, before we go to break, want to share share a personal reflection of St. Joseph regarding his relationship with Jesus and Mary. And again, this is now me talking, not necessarily someone from the church or reflecting that from Father Calloway. This is a pure George Toman idea, I think. Holding true to the teaching of the Incarnation, we hold that Jesus was completely God and completely man. As a man, this meant that he had physical features, psychological characteristics, and personality traits that reflected the parent who bore him. Since Jesus came strictly from the Holy Spirit's intervention, There were not two sets of DNA for Jesus to obtain, as per the rest of us. Rather, the majority of Jesus' physical, psychological, and spiritual traits were that of Mary. So, as I like to say, Mary's eyes were Jesus' eyes. His height was her height. Her personality was his personality. He was, indeed, a striking male version of his own mother. And, thinking about that... Think about how St. Joseph saw Jesus. Not only did he see and experience the loving presence of the Savior, but he also couldn't help but notice the similarities that he saw in the son and mother. If Joseph loved gazingly into Mary's eyes, I couldn't help but imagine a similar feel when he first got to experience and connect with Jesus' own eyes. Mary had a unique personality, and Jesus probably had the same traits. He saw the love of Mary and Jesus and probably fell more in love with both in each passing day. And what this illustrates to us and why devotion to St. Joseph is so powerful is that by asking for his intercession, St. Joseph allows us to experience this mutual joy, a joy of loving both mother and son in a way that is both physically incomparable and mystically incomprehensible, is truly a mystery of love. 
It was being in love with the most beautiful people in the world. And oh, how great it was to be St. Joseph. We're going to take a quick little break, but when we come back, we'll get into the litany of St. Joseph and also some concluding thoughts on how devotion to St. Joseph could be very useful with our times. Again, you're listening to The One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. This is George Tolman, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, to the One Body Show, we left talking about St. Joseph, some uh, some teachings about him through scripture and also through our catechism and some reflections on my part. But now let's get into the litany of St. Joseph and a few of the titles um, associated to him. We're going to ponder a few of those together. Now, the litany of St. Joseph, like all litanies, are just beautiful prayers. Take a little bit of time to pray, but very beautiful and one of, the, one of the prime purposes of litanies is to remind us of the, the many character traits or the many features of whatever we're giving praise to. And so we're giving thanks to God through St. Joseph. So, so we pray the litany, the litany of the most sacred heart. We give praise to our Lord Jesus Christ, and particularly um, his, his loving heart, the, the litany of Loretto, the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We ponder the greatness of God using Mary as the example. And so again, litany is very powerful. And I mentioned, I believe at the beginning of my talk, talking or discussing how the litany of St. Joseph is important to me. Uh, For a while there, I was reciting the litany of St. Joseph after receiving communion. And the reason why was because I figured out not too long that if I were to recite the litany of St. Joseph, by the time I got done reciting it, it was the time that we get into closing prayer. It took, it took usually that long. Also gave me a chance to really reflect on the importance of St. Joseph. He, he is my confirmation saint and one that I have turned to, especially as of late, um, to, to gain support from. And, Again, it's a very, a very beautiful prayer. Here are a couple titles associated to St. Joseph. Zealous Defender of Christ, Head of the Holy Family, Lover of Poverty, Guardian of Virgins, Pillar of Families, Terror of Demons, Patron of the Dying, and Protector of the Holy Church. Now, there are other titles associated with him as part of the litany, and you can Look that up on EWTN or go to your favorite search engine, type in Litany of St. Joseph, and you'll find the prayer right there fairly easily. But I want to talk about a couple of these titles. I mentioned these titles specifically as ones that stand out to me. I want to briefly talk about a few of them, about why they're they're important to me. So the first one I look at is Head of the Holy Family. And I, and I still, even to this day, uh, really have... <laughs> It's just so inspiring to think about St. Joseph as spiritual leader of the Holy Family. Because again, you're dealing with the sinless Mary and the sinless Christ. What kind of spiritual leader do they need? All right. Now, of course, a spiritual leader might look a little different in that Holy Family household. But nonetheless, who did Mary and, and Jesus turn to when needing support in the spiritual realm? It was St. Joseph. 
And when you think about it in those terms, the 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 humility that St. Joseph must have felt towards his great responsibility had to be immense. And even though he, at the time, we didn't have things like the phrase Immaculate Conception around, but nonetheless, he knew he was looking at a strikingly beautiful woman. I mean, I mean, there was no doubt, folks, that that not only was Mary, uh, probably, had, probably had physical attributes that were very attractive to the eye, but most importantly, most importantly, she was immaculate. And so you will look into those eyes, you could literally see a spotless um, person. And because of that, you can't help but be like incredibly of awe of how authentically beautiful Mary was. Jesus, the same way. You look at Jesus and you can't help but go, dang, this is this is someone absolutely terrific. And again, some people might have chosen to not see that. But the entire world, at least those who who were able to run into our Lord, got to see the salvation of the world. And because of that, it's such such a wonderful duty. But again, head of the Holy Family, St. Joseph. And so for me, especially as as a man, it's very important that that I always remember the importance of being um, the head, the spiritual lead. And being the spiritual leader is not an easy task, but it is one that must be taken. And St. Joseph took on that responsibility, even though he he could have said, even though his character would not have allowed him to, but he could have said something to the effect of, no, you guys are more holy than I, so I will back off, as what unfortunately some men do. He didn't. He said, nope, this is my call to be your spiritual leader. One of my favorites is Terror of Demons. And the reason why it's one of my favorites is because Though I have never witnessed an exorcism, and, and though I've only read about what exorcisms are and what they aren't, and and witnesses um, some of the most uh, and interviews listened to of, of respectable exorcists around the globe, I will be you know the terror of demons, just the fact of the devil's fear, Saint Joseph, and that is something to I think that those especially suffering from pretty significant spiritual warfare that not only do we remember the grace of, of our Blessed Lady because the demons hate her, but even looking at St. Joseph because he scares them as well in, in terms of the demons and their influence. They, they just don't like him. And so uh, I think having re, re, bringing that devotion back up is, is especially powerful as well because even though I don't have the numbers in front of me, it, it has been reported many times over the last couple of years that exorcisms have, have, have gone up. Practices of the occult and other things have, have also gone up. And because of that, the need for exorcists has been more of a demand. And it's very important today for us to remember that the spiritual warfare is that of God, but of course he has his friends and especially those of whom is he entrusted to help the fight, and one of them being St. Joseph. And lastly, and I'll mention this in my concluding remarks, protector of the Holy Church. Protector of the Holy Church. Pope Francis, when he was officially installed as Pope, I forgot what year it was now, He did his, his installation mass was March 19th, which is the feast of St. Joseph, the guardian of the Holy Family. And, Saint jo- and, and Pope Francis made it very explicit that he entrusted his pontificate and whatever happened within it to St. Joseph. And I thought that was very powerful, obviously because I was in favor of it, because St. Joseph is my saint, but also because St. Joseph, bringing him out in the forefront like that really helped provide a, a 
a forward-thinking step, if you will, of bringing the devotion of St. Joseph more known to the world. And that action of recognizing that he is protector of the Holy Church is a great reminder for us to remember. Now, what I will say also to, to you men out there is that if you're ever looking for a saint to assist you in terms of being a spiritual leader, obviously turning to St. Joseph is a pretty good bet uh, and a pretty good investment, if you will, to be able to, to assist you and help you. And if you are struggling with that spiritual lead, just simply asking him for help, he will answer it fairly quickly. And so why is this important today? Why is it important to remember the devotion to St. Joseph, who who St. Joseph is, who he is, and why is it important to bring him back into our prayer life, especially in times like today? Because, again, why why would you be listening if, if there wasn't an answer to this? Well, I think there, there's there's many answers, but there's a couple that I want us to really ponder on for today as we conclude our thoughts together. Number one, St. Joseph's mission is to protect the church. Simply put, folks, we need it today. There is no doubt that we need help. We don't have people showing up for Mass. And yes, right now, with the coronavirus pandemic and the public worship of Masses um, in, indefinitely suspended, that, that that poses a factor. But even before that, people who claimed to be Catholic weren't showing up in the pews. And even when we saw things like the, the sex abuse crisis coming back up and some of the stories that we learned, we have enemies within the church as well. And so how can we effectively assist bringing Holy Mother Church to purity? Well, St. Joseph is one that we can easily go to. Again, at the very beginning of my talk, I mentioned that when the church is vulnerable, when Mary is vulnerable, when Jesus is vulnerable, who desires to be there right by their side? St. Joseph. And so even though we may not be asking for his intercession, I can promise you St. Joseph from the heavens is with the church literally right by her side, desiring to heal her and protect her, just like he's always done throughout salvation history. And I think the recognizing this grace just like anything out um, out of God's playbook, if we recognize the graces, God in turn not only rewards us with that recognition, but he also gives us strength to be able to use that for our benefit. And so by remembering that St. Joseph, this lovable, humble, hardworking man, is to protect the Holy Church, let's simply turn to him when we don't have an answer to some of our issues of today. Turn to him to help us get to where we need to be, And I promise you that he will offer that prayer very virtuously to the Father. Number two, I'm going to quote the the great St. John Paul II. And he said that the vocation of every man is the dignity of every woman. The vocation of every man is the dignity of every woman. And, And we really need that today. There's a lot of women who are not feeling, not feeling dignified. And, There's a lot of filth in the world that allows for that to happen, from pornography to willful infidelity of spouses and everything else in between. But St. Joseph's promise is that those close to him will be met with graces to uphold the dignity of every woman, the graces to fight for the sanctity of life and marriage, and rekindle the need for authentic human relationship, because that's exactly why he was brought into the Holy Family to begin with. In a world today where we struggle mightily with respect and dignity, St. Joseph's our guy, folks. At least I think he is. 
to turn to him willfully and go, we need some help. And you're the one who probably has the keys here to be able to access something that we haven't accessed before. Lastly, he is the head of the Holy Family. And because of that, we should turn to him so that we can become partakers of that holy family. We can become partakers of that authentic witness to influence our own families and then on top of that, our communities. And most importantly, when we think of head of the holy family and we think about a relationship with the Savior, who better knows how to love Mary and Jesus than St. Joseph? If we desire to grow in our Marian devotion, Turn to St. Joseph, because the act of Marian devotion is very similar to the sacrificial love that he gave Mary. If we desire to love Jesus, turn to St. Joseph, because he did that since day one. And combined together, combined together now, that beautiful exchange leads us into better situations. It leads us to a better perspective, and most importantly, it provides a gateway to be able to be again with the Father. And all of this is important because, and I've said on radio multiple times, I, I love the Blessed Virgin Mary. She has meant so much in my life. But as I've said before on the air, as I grew in my love for Mary, I grew in my love for Jesus. What I didn't realize was that as I grew in my love for Mary, I grew in my love for Jesus, and also I grew in love for St. Joseph, yet I didn't even know it. And especially as of, as of late, when I started to connect the dots and go, wow, the graces that were working in my life, thanks to spiritual direction and other things, how, how this holy family has been very important to my life. All of a sudden, it made a lot of sense as to why we do the things that we do. And so every time that I recited the Litany of St. Joseph after Mass, I was also testifying to the love I had for our Blessed Lady and for Jesus. Every time that I would pray the Rosary, and be absorbed in that beautiful prayer, I not only love Jesus more, but I also love St. Joseph more. So the at the end of the day, what are we trying to get at? What are we trying to say here? Well, I hope that what we're trying to, to do by bringing St. Joseph back in the forefront is that we are entrusting him with the most difficult questions of our day. And because that we entrust him with the most difficult questions of our day, we in turn get wisdom in terms of how to handle that. And it might mean handle it through prayer. It might mean handle it by taking definitive action or somewhere else in between. But nonetheless, by surrendering ourselves to St. Joseph, he will answer us just like Mary does and most certainly like as what Jesus does. And so with that said, I would like to conclude with the ancient prayer to St. Joseph. It's one that that is known in many circles, um, even in the military. It's a very beautiful prayer, and, and we will conclude with it. But I wanted to quickly say before we conclude in prayer that one of the reasons why I wanted to share this with you about St. Joseph and, and some things to consider is because if there's anything that we can do in our times of trial and suffering, especially that of today, is to remember the graces that God has given us. And one of the greatest graces that has been limit it has been accessed on a limited basis is St. Joseph. And if we can bring that back to the forefront, we will have guaranteed access into maybe one of the more beautiful uh, mysteries of the church. And the mystery being the mystery of the Holy Family, particularly that of St. Joseph and his love for Mary and Jesus. 
again, great saints, including one, St. Teresa of Avila, had a very, very strong devotion to St. Joseph and said, they, and they even promised he would never fail. And I can attest to the same. And so, again, we will end with prayer, but thank you so much for listening to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession, and obtain from me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that, having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary of contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him close in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, phone, app, or... Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to Divine Mercy Radio. If you're a business that can help support this One Body Show, please know you'll receive three underwriting spots per show, and the show runs five times a week. Plus, you'll be listed as a sponsor on the One Body page of Divine Mercy Radio's website. If interested, please call 785-621-4110. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Stewarding God's creation.